subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. The Opinion Line, Corks 96 FM. Rebecca, thank you for being with me today. I guess we'll start by just asking you about Clarissa. There's some audio in the podcast of her. Um, she sounded like a lovely, bright, funny little kid. She was full of excitement, full of vivaciousness. Um, from the moment that she could talk, she really never stopped. And if she would meet anybody in the street, whether that would be you, whether that would be a woman, another child, she would go up to you and she'd want to ask you your name. She would tell you her name. She would want to know everything about you. She was very, very outgoing from a very young age. And was your marriage troubled before she was born or did it start afterwards? It pretty much started, um, I would say, cracks began to show maybe six months after we got married. Um, Martin engaged in some uh, legal battles with neighbors of his uh, that I had known previously. And he just became obsessed with it. And it just, it really ate him up. It was for him, it was all about work. It was all about his legal case. And I just felt that I just somehow was forgotten about. Um, so I, um, I got to the stage where, you know, I, I grew up in Los Angeles. I'd never seen a cow before. Um, and I thought farming was romantic. And then I got to West Cork and a few months, few couple of years passed by. And I realized that farming is quite a life sentence. You know, it is, it is a lifestyle and you have to love it because if you don't, you are just, you're wasting your time and you're setting yourself up to be miserable. And uh, when I told Martin that farming wasn't for me, that it was just too much for me, um, I feel like he almost saw me as his enemy from right then. You know, I, I was kind of in a way telling him that, I, I didn't like farming, and so I think he kind of took it as I didn't like him. And you never discussed that when you were just seeing each other. It was just after your marriage that you began to have these conversations. Well, 
we spent a year apart. We spent a year in a long distance relationship yeah. because I had gone back to the States. I had finished high school and then, um, and then I had come back to West Cork in uh, November of 2005. And then we ended up getting married the following July. On the night that this terrible tragedy happened, you had decided the time had come to look into ending your marriage and you were going to see someone at a free legal aid in Bantry. You had obviously told Martin you were going to go to dinner with a friend. Do you think he knew that you were looking for a divorce or had you discussed it previously? We discussed it previously. I had told him uh, months before if... uh, if he still continued to pursue his legal cases that were still ongoing, that I didn't want to raise Clarissa this way, that I didn't want to be in a family with this kind of desperation over our heads. So he knew he just still wanted to pursue his legal cases. Um, And it got to the point where he was just being, deceitful towards me, keeping things from me. Um, And I ended up trying to apply for legal aid because at that stage I had no funds of my own, really. I couldn't afford a lawyer. Um, I couldn't afford to begin any kind of divorce mediation or proceedings. So I think I had told him um, as early as December of 2012, that I was done and I wanted a divorce. How did he respond to that? He he pretty much said no. I think that those were his verbatim words after I told him that. And then um, he panicked. He rang his sister and uh, his sister ended up convincing me to go back to marriage counseling We had been previously about a year and a half after we'd first gotten married. Um, I just, he had asked for marriage counseling after I told him that I wanted a divorce and that I, I knew that I wanted a divorce, but I just felt like, I just felt like it wasn't gonna get us anywhere because I don't think that there was any, there was no, um, how do I put this? There was no question in his mind that he was going to drop his legal cases. And that was what I wanted. They were consuming his life and therefore they were consuming your relationship as well. Absolutely. It was, it was either work or legal matters. And it just got to the point where he had no time for myself. He had no time for Clarissa. Um, he would lock himself in the parlor for hours on end with his legal cases or he would be out working. And he just, he became extremely angry and bitter, extremely just frustrated with everything. And it was really sad to see Clarissa have to, you know, witness her father in, in the capacity that she could um, witness him just withdraw into himself. 
What kind of a relationship did they have, Rebecca? Did, I mean, you say in the podcast that in his own way, he he loved her. I think he, he did love her. I think that he loved her as best he could. Um, Do you think he still loved you at that stage? I think it depends on what your definition of love is. I think that... I think that he loved me like he loved his cows and his dogs. So he loved me because he thought that I was his. I don't think that that's, I don't think that his actions speak to the kind of love that you can have for a person in their own, in their own individual way with their own sacred rights. Mm of being able to choose how their life unfolds. He didn't see me as a person. Certainly the hopes and dreams that you had as you left America to come to Ireland to marry this man, they, they were not fulfilled. No, I don't think so. I, I think that there was a lot of, uh, a lot of promises that weren't held up and a lot of just expectations that either if they were voiced, they weren't fulfilled or, you know, things, other things got in the way. Let's go to that horrible night on the beach at, at Audley Cove. It was a beach that you and Clarissa loved to go and play on. Mm-hmm. We would go there almost every, I mean, every day in the summer, we would always go there. And it was now the scene of your worst unthinkable nightmare yeah I um, I have many many pictures of Clarissa and I'm very fortunate that I, I took so many and there's many many pictures of her at that beach and it's always it's always hard to look at them because she loved that beach so much and that is where she spent her last moments. You go into great detail about your memories of, of that night and those terrible, terrible hours. They're etched forever in your mind, I suspect. Absolutely. Um, I think that when somebody goes through a trauma like I've been through, like all the people that were there that night have been through. I think that your mind has to cope by either going through events again and again to try and make sense of them or trying to forget certain facets that your psyche feels you just can't handle. Um, there are certain things about that night that um, when I was working with Liz and we were developing this story, I looked back at notes that I had, uh, I had had to ask for from the guards because I gave a statement the day after the funeral. And so I just wanted to make sure you know, that I recalled everything that had happened. Um, And 
you know, pretty, pretty much what I still have nightmares about. Everything from that night specifically is still very much with me. And it's very much, you know, some, some nights are better than others, but it's, it always returns. You can never forget it. You can never file it away. You can never really put it behind you. Of course you can't. Do you come to a point or are you at a point now where you, 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 you've learned how to live with it? Is that a way to put it? I think that's a very good way to put it, PJ. Um, I think it is, it's acceptance that there's always going to be this awful narrative that's going to play in my head. And it's telling myself that I don't have to go back there, that I know that it's going to play out in my head, that I know that I'm going to have to relive it at certain points just because that's how our minds work, but that I don't have to let it consume me. You know, I can, I can stop. I can, I can try and remember better times with Clarissa when we were playing together or baking together. I don't always have to go to that night. And it's hard to kind of stop yourself sometimes. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hmm. Have you had help, therapy, counseling? I've had uh, a number of therapists, um, at least three or four. I have been very blessed in the the friends that I have that I can talk to, trying to just realize that, um, yeah, that, that some days are just going to be worse than others and really accepting that it's never going to leave me. But I, you know, if it left me, that would mean that I would forget that little girl and that would be the worst thing. Yeah. It, it it must never leave you. You must you must learn to live with it as part of you, but that it doesn't define you. And that's kind of where you are right now. I think you put it very, very well. Yes. It's living with it. It's not having that define you, but, you know, being your own person outside of your past, honoring your past, never forgetting that sweet little girl. But being able to go forward with just a positive outlook and her love in your heart, her memory always in your heart. I remember traveling to the funeral. And I remember noticing just the one coffin and thinking this was an incredible expression of love on your part. Obviously, the truth is now different. You very much regret that. You began to regret that almost immediately, did you, Rebecca? Absolutely. I I think that the the expectation that I had to bury Clarissa so quickly was extremely um it it just wasn't fair. You know, Clarissa and her father died on a Tuesday and they were buried on a Friday. And so in that small space of time, I had to decide what happened to this little girl that was my world and who was alive the day before. And the first thought that struck me at the time, you know, in the shock that I was in and in the raw, fresh grief that I was in was that I didn't want her to be alone. She wouldn't want to be alone. Hmm. And at the time, PJ, I didn't know uh, just how planned out Martin had gone. Just the, the totality of the steps that he took to ensure that, you know, if it wasn't that day, um, he had the steps in place to carry out his end game another day. Um, and I didn't know that at the time I thought like his family and friends that he just snapped, but he didn't. And I know that now because I've, I've seen the documentation of steps that he took that day to ensure that, you know, if he, that Clarissa couldn't leave the country, he went to a, um, a family court and got a restriction put on her passport so that, you know, even if I wanted to, which is what 
certain people accuse me of, even if I wanted to lead the country with Clarissa, I couldn't have done that. And just the way his will is written, it makes it very clear to me that he had planned what he was going to do as a punishment for me. But at the time, I didn't know that. Do you know how long he had spent planning it? I think he at least spent a month. It would have been two to three weeks to a month because he started changing his will um, early February. And I think that with the way his will reads, with the way his note reads, and um, with what he did that day in family court, I do think that it was it was just a matter of time. He was given the opportunity that night and he took it. And you were left obviously bereft. And in that moment, you thought that the right thing to do in your own mind, which was clearly not your own at the time. And I think, I think you felt under pressure to do it as well. From whom I don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the, I, I don't remember who introduced that idea, but I was at the time just, I didn't want to have to make that decision. I, who wants to make the decision of, where and how you bury your own child. Nobody nobody ever wants to make that decision or have to make it. Right. And I just thought, you know, I knew that I knew that Martin was in the wrong, but I also knew that Clarissa loved her father. And at the time I thought, well, she wouldn't want to be by herself. And even though her father killed her, she would still, if given the choice, I'm sure, as any three-year-old would, want to be with her father if she had the choice. Was that your thinking then, or is that your thinking now? Oh, that was my thinking then. In, in many other parts of the world, you know, funerals do not happen as fast as they do in Ireland. No. And I think if I was given another week honestly, to just process what had happened. I, I know that I wouldn't have buried them together because I didn't know about the family court. I didn't, I hadn't read his will. I didn't know many, many details until after the fact. You now do want to, if you can someday, exhume Absolutely. the grave, bring her home with you to, to America. I know you've looked into it legally, with a great firm here in Cork with Martin Harvey and, and his company. Mm-hmm. Where is that now? You could do it, but it's very, very rarely done, I think, is your legal advice. So I had um, I'd gotten information uh, from a barrister that Mr. Harvey uses back in 2016. And the barrister pretty much told me, you know, with with the thought of possible objections and the fact that it's very, like you said, rarely done in Ireland that I would most likely be wasting my time. Um, oh, that somebody would try to stop you? Yes. Yes, that his family would try and stop me, um, which most likely they would. Um, 
And I think that at the time, you know, that was that was going through uh, losing Clarissa and then the legal fight for the estate afterwards. You know, that was a, a solid three years, hmm. over three years. And so when I got to the end of that, where I had the opportunity to no longer be receiving solicitors, letters, solicitors, phone calls every single day, practically, Hmm. you know, and after being told you would most likely be wasting your time. I just, I had to take a pause. I had to stop and say, look, I, I need to do something for me. Um, Is that where the idea came to, to speak to certain media? Is that where the idea came from as part of your closure, your recovery? I don't think that there's, I honestly, I think closure is something that will never happen. Mm. I do think that this is part of a journey. And I know that for me to not have these deep regrets that I bury Clarissa with her father, to not have that pain so acute, I do still need to take further steps to see if it's possible to exhume her. Um, and it was just, you know, I'm, I'm in a better headspace right now. Yeah. Speaking her truth like this, how has that been as an experience? Her little truth that she could never speak for herself. How, how has that been for you? It has been like walking up a very steep mountain with a boulder around my neck. Um, but Liz was extremely sensitive and professional. Um, she couldn't have made it any easier on me. Uh, you know, she took it at my pace and, uh, it was just not knowing, not knowing the door that I was opening as I did this, but just knowing that the time was right for me and that it needed to be done. And so, uh, Liz reached out to me one day. I think that there was a similar case that happened in Ireland sometime last year. And, uh, Liz had reached out to me and, uh, she asked me if I would speak to her and I said, yes. And I'm very, very glad that subsequent to that, you have agreed to speak with me today. And I'm very grateful to you for doing so. You, you have a new family now, a new life. And how are you in general? I, I couldn't ask for more than I have right now. And I just, I feel very blessed and very lucky that I, I've gotten the support to take me where I am. Um, I have a wonderful supportive husband. We have two beautiful little daughters and, you know, it's, it's, it hasn't been easy getting here, but I think that, I think that I can still feel Clarissa just holding me and being a part of our family, even though physically she's not here. She's very much part of of you, though, and part of your past and always will be. Absolutely. This may seem like a strange question to finish, 
Rebecca, how do you feel about Martin McCarthy now? I, I, I really can't say that I feel that I'll ever be able to forgive him. Mm. You know, I just feel like, I feel like he used his daughter as a sword to stab me in the heart with. And I think that's very, very wrong. And I don't, I don't think that I'm ever going to be able to completely forgive him. I think you're a woman of remarkable courage. And I think that your little girl is looking down upon you and is very proud of her mom. Thank you. Thank you for speaking with me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Corks 96 FM. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.